You know, there's many different ways you can support the Trendaholic or the Voice Junkie podcast. One of those ways is doing something you normally do in your personal life. Like, I don't know, stream movies. So in that light, you can accept with graciousness the gift of seven days free from Apple TV Plus on your boy. Yes, me, Chuck, from the Voice Junkie podcast is giving away a free week of Apple TV Plus. I mean, it's a free trial. If you want to support the podcast, hit the link below in the description box. It'll bring you right to the page so you can get that free week Apple TV Plus. All right, I'm ready to go. Y'all ready? Because I'm ready. One, two. It's up this year. Voice Junkie 2023. It's next level energy right here. Run for them life. When I step into the jungle, say they wanna group up. They better move up, never gonna win a Royal Rumble. But when I come through, you know what I love to. I send shots for your team and leader. I make a witness, decide to vacate the wars, getting sweet just like a Ribena. Yo, listen, yeah, that. By the way, happy new Kiddies year, in the y'all. Jungle. To all Kiddies the listeners out there, Kiddies new ones the and old ones. Yo, listen, yeah, that. Killers in the jungle. Killers in the jungle. Thanks for supporting. Killers in the jungle. Gotta warm it up a little bit for y'all. It's been a minute, but we back. Boy, Vince McMahon is tripping. Backdoor Vinny. Yo, yeah, that over. Smell the aroma. Them done that a really long time. When I ramp, when I skin, couldn't wait for my coma. All right, enough of that. Former disgraced CEO and chairman of the board, Vince McMahon, has finagled his way back into the company that he helped achieve great heights with. So, real quick, if you don't know what happened to Vince McMahon, he stepped aside as chairman of the board and CEO because of some salacious uh, allegations about sexual misconduct that he misappropriated funds from the company and spent upwards of $12 million on settlements and hush money. So yeah, it was pretty ugly, pretty ugly when he left and he pretty much retired in disgrace. But however, being a cunning, psychotic, sociopathic genius like Vincent K. McMahon is, he built in some back doors for himself because A, he still remained the largest shareholder of the company regardless of his position and it allowed him to backdoor his way back in. So that's why he's got the name Backdoor Vinny. So Backdoor Vinny ruins WWE Honeymoon because it was such a honeymoon before. I mean, he left the big bag boogeyman. He finally was ushered off away from the company that all these hard-working wrestlers work so hard in creating their storylines and narratives for their own characters and development. And now the boogeyman was finally out of the company, rid of. Triple H takes over creative, everything goes well. Uh, Stephanie McMahon, she's the co-CEO along with uh, Nick Khan. Life is great. Then here comes the Royal Rumble, January 28th. Weeks ago, Vince McMahon shakes the planets and gets this whole thing going. So, let me uh, read a little bit to catch y'all up. So, 
According to the Wall Street Journal, also reported McMahon believed the controversy would have blown over if he had just stayed on his head of creative and chairman of the company's board of directors. So one of the reasons why he came back is that he was just totally salty because he thought to himself, like, hey, man, if I would have just stayed in place, stayed in control, this whole thing would have just blown over and everybody would just forget about it. And I can just have gone on to sucking at leading my company down into the dumps that I was doing before everything came about. So he felt like he had bad information the first time, bad advice. And he felt like he it was advised that he retired at, you know, at the rate he retired at as fast as, as he retired because he didn't want to retire. Uh, as this uh, article continues, it says, as revealed in the filing with the securities department, you know, the SEC, McMahon said he had to return to the company because of negotiations over media rights and a quote unquote strategic alternatives review required his direct participation, leadership and support. So that's basically him holding a gun over the uh, company's head, the, the, uh, the board of directors head like, hey. If you guys are thinking about selling this company, guess what? I'm the largest shareholder. You can't sell it without me. You can't sell dick without my input as the largest shareholder. So that's when things started to devolve. The investment man came in and took over the board again, got rid of some people, and brought in his own people to um, help support and facilitate a quote-unquote sell. So as we continue, Vince goes, quote, the only way for WWE to fully capitalize on his opportunity, or excuse me, this opportunity, is for me to return as executive chairman and support the management team in the negotiations for our media rights and to combine that with a review of strategic alternatives, McMahon said in a news release. He continues, my return will allow WWE, as well as any transaction counterparties, to engage in these processes knowing that they will have the support of the controlling shareholder, i.e. Vince McMahon, me. So that basically says, you, like I just said, you can't facilitate any kind of sales or anything without me being in the room. That's basically that. So Vince bullied his way back in. And now we go on to speculation land. Speculation that now that he's back, will he take over creative again? So now, and, and a lot of them that were, um, gone from the company were released by McMahon and, T- and Nick Khan. So, you know, obviously a lot of those talents are worried about their future as far as, hey, man, I just re-signed and read up with you guys. Uh, everything was cool. Trips was in charge. And now Trips might not be in charge? Question mark. Vince might be back in charge. And I just signed this new contract. So to put all of those uh, worries to bed, Trips, Triple H, Rightfully so, you know, you know, there was reports that he gathered the troops together in a locker room or in the back uh, stage area. And he basically gave them a speech about, hey, man, everything's cool. I'm still in control. I'm still in charge. Everything is still going to go as as scripted. You know, it's still going to be smooth sailing. (laughs) However, man, if I was in that room and if I was one of those talents I would just take that with a small grain of salt because in the grand scheme of things, Triple H doesn't control anything. (laughs) He's not a controlling board member. And, you know, this is a little bit above his head and his pay grade, quite frankly. So we'll see how things shape out because, you know, if anything that we do know about Vince McMahon, Vince usually always gets what he wants at the end of the day. Now, without further ado, some more 
unadulterated Shady McCoy hate that you didn't ask for. National television, Dak Prescott, five touchdowns, four passing, one rushing. He balled. He absolutely balled. Remember, he went into the game with seven straight games throwing an interception. But yesterday, no turnovers. A lot of people are feeling good about that. And nobody's feeling better than Dave Hellman. But Shady, you have been one of Dak Prescott's biggest truth tellers, some would say, or critics, other would say. Did Dak Prescott quiet the criticism yesterday? I call it keeping it 100. Keeping it 100? Um, I, I would say yes. I would say yes if, if, if you know, beating the, 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 the Bucks was a good thing. But the truth is no. He did not sign the critics, right? Let's just, let's just talk about it for a talk second. Talk about it. I'm listening. The Bucs are not a good team. They never was. They're not a winning team. I'm not making that up. They were 89 this year. They were. You know, they're the only team in the playoffs, 89 record with a losing record. It's the truth. Last five, the last five games, or yeah, five weeks, five games, wherever you want to put it. So 28th ranked defense. So 21st ranked gets the pass defense. They're 26 in sacks. Did you see how long Dak had there to pat? I watched him go, I watched him read from the left all the way to the right, move to the left, then throw to the right. Now he had a phenomenal game. Can't take none from Dak Prescott. But the truth is the truth. They beat a bad team. And I think the only reason why people gassed this, this, this game up, blew it up so big because it's Tom Brady. He's 7-0. Was it 6-0, 7-0? 7-0. He's 7-0 against his franchise. They never, they never beat him. It's his last time, you know, with the Bucs. He's in the playoffs. They can, anything can happen. A miracle. We believe that because it's Tom Brady, right? They thought that the Bucs were done. They only beat two winning teams this year. All season. So it's no surprise that, 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 the, that Dak Prescott and the, and, and the Cowboys won that game. Now, granted, he didn't throw a pick. I was surprised about that because, I mean, every week he throws. He did a good job, and they won the game. So, yes, I think they did a good job, but he didn't size the critics. We'll see when he plays the Niners. Good defense all year. Great defense, great defense. They beat good teams. Yeah, great teams. So, we'll see. Why are you smiling so hard? Brett Maher struggled last night, right? Cowboys kicker. Missed the, the Cowboys kicker. It was, it's just so he had a bad night. He would have a terrible day on here. Goalpost moving this way, <laughs> that way. Shady McCoy moving the goalpost is over here. Now it's over there. So where do I begin? <laughs> this guy is comical. First of all, FS1, I got to have a conversation with you guys. Man to man, company to man. Why in the world? Listen, first of all, you don't have to hire every big name you hear off the internet. Just because they were on a big show doesn't mean that they're the best personality on that show. It's no different than hiring a coach on a coaching staff. Just because Bill Belichick is a great coach doesn't mean Joe Judge is a great coach. Doesn't mean uh, Romeo Cornell is a great coach or Charlie Weiss or Bill O'Brien. We could go down the line. Or the pencil. So on to Shady McCoy here. <laughs> There's so many holes in this guy's argument that it's just comical to me that this guy has a platform like this to talk his hate. Like, it's like he literally grabs his Twitter timeline and he reads it to the, to the public on a national broadcast. Like, it's amazing to me. He's like, he's become the Jason Woodlock of athletes. If you know Jason Woodlock and you follow sports, you know the reference. Jason Whitlock says some of the most outrageous things that you can think of that just have no merit and, and really no context to it. It's just a weird, pandering hate that he has. And... This sounds like Shady McCoy. He just sounds like a Philadelphia Eagles troll. So, on to the bullet holes that I need to fill. So, he said that we gaslit this performance because Tom Brady was 7-0 coming into the game against the Dallas Cowboys. 
That was the, one of the biggest reasons why we gaslit the game in its entirety. No, no shady. Again, it's, I don't even know if he watches the games sometimes. I don't even know if he understands the game sometimes. No, the biggest narrative wasn't the fact that Tom was 7-0. That was one of them. But the biggest narrative for Dak and the Dallas Cowboy organization was the fact that they did not win a playoff road game almost 30 years. That was the fucking narrative, Shady. Let me start calling you Shady. Let me call you LaShawn, okay? That was the biggest narrative. And to have a Dallas Cowboys quarterback win a road playoff game, the first since Troy Aikman, when since I was eight years old, is a big effing deal. So to just poo-poo that and to act like it, it, it's not a big deal, it's just hate. It's just hate. And if you don't see that as hate, you're a hater too. I'm talking to y'all out there. If you don't see that as hate, you're probably a hater. So, and it's all good. You know, hate is all right. If you if you could identify it and if you could fess up to it and be accountable to that hate. But a lot of people don't want to be accountable for their hate. All right, let me shoot another hole for one of his uh, dumb arguments. It was the eight and nine thing. Oh yeah, you know what? What? Who cares? What a big deal. He. Well, let me before I get to the eight and nine thing and shoot a hole through that. Let me get to the fact of him talking about Dak had all day to pat the ball, um, and 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 the uh, back of the field. That's true. That that's true. You know, and um, it's it's funny to me. It's really funny to me. He said he had all day to pat the ball, look left, look right. It pretty much survey the field and target or, you know, go any direction he pretty want, pretty much wants to go. Isn't that not definition of calling the kettle black? Here this guy is talking about Dak having all day to throw the ball when his boy down in Philly, Jalen Hurts, makes a living reading books in that back uh, field because he has the best offensive line in the league. But he he, he doesn't diminish Jalen Hurts' accomplishments because of that. I never heard him uh, say anything critical to Jalen Hurts when it comes to the amount of time he has to throw the ball and how that has helped him tremendously this season as far as his stats is concerned. But we'll ignore that. Let's get on to the other issue, the 8-9 thing. Yes, the Bucks were a bad 8-9 team, but it's not the first team we've seen in the playoffs that had a bad record, a 500 record or a sub-500 record. Now, this is what he also failed to mention on his big platform. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, 1999, that was a pretty good team. Guess what their record was? They were 8-8, eight and, eight, and they almost won the Super Bowl. Let's go to 2000 Ravens. You know what that team's record was? 8-8. Eight and eight. You know what they did? They went on to the Super Bowl. You want another one? How about the 2007 Giants, who were, guess what? They were 8-8. Eight and eight. I don't, I know you guys are out there saying, well, 8-9 and 8-8. and, eight and eight. No, there's really no equivalence to me. They added an extra game. So let's just give that a mulligan. It's 8-8, eight and eight, all right? So, Giants. Now, 2008 Cardinals. Guess what they rec- What their record was? LaShawn. Eight and eight. So you want another one? You want a sub 500? Okay. How about the seven and nine Seattle Seahawks? Remember those guys? Remember the beast mode run? Her around the world? Yeah. That team was seven and nine when they beat the Saints. All right. So your notion of what you're saying is just all hate. 
You you want to mention the Bucks record. You want to mention the Tom Brady record to insinuate some kind of gaslighting because of his record against the Cowboys. No, it was deeper than that, Shady. And you failed to educate your viewers and your listeners because you're are you are terrible at your job. Terrible. All right. Enough of Shady McCoy wasting my airspace. Let's get on to Dak playoff stats, all right? Let's get on to something more tangible, something that Shady McCoy is incapable of doing. Let's talk about Dak's stats, shall we? So, Dak did something that was very impressive Monday night. His 300 yards, four pass TDs, and one rush TD is, you know, he's on a list of only four other, three other guys that did it. One, Matt Ryan in 2016 versus the Green Bay Packers. And Rodgers in 2009 against Arizona. Now, the Matt Ryan year was his MVP year. Let's put that in perspective. Aaron Rodgers, 2009 at Arizona. And we know what Aaron did in 2009. And Peyton Manning, 2004 versus Denver. Those are the only other guys that put up the stat line that Dak just did in Tampa. To poo-poo that and not make it seem like it's a big deal or at least impressive, it's just hate. More hate. But, you know, you get kind of used to that as a Cowboys fan. Let's move on to Micah. Oh, right, before we get to Micah, let's, let's, let's uh, talk more about Dak. So Dak is getting the praise that he deserves. You know that saying, keep the same energy? You got to keep that same energy when you hate. And you got to keep that same energy when you got to give it up and be accountable for your opinions, especially when you're wrong. All right? And Dak really had a lot of pressure on his shoulders he had all the pressure from oh he's a turnover machine i expect him to turn it over this saturday or monday and the cowboys are going to be in trouble they're going to do cowboy things he had all of that pressure on top of the 7-0 record that tom brady had over his head or his franchise's head not to mention tom had the same amount of freaking playoff wins as the dallas cowboys they were both coming in the game 35 apiece and the touchdowns were damn near uh equal yeah they were equal so you had all of this pressure along with the fact of like i just said winning your first franchise's playoff row game in 30 years you had all of these pressure points heading into the game as the quarterback and for you to show out like that is pretty goddamn impressive. I don't care if the team was 8-9. I don't care if it was, uh, you know, in Tampa or in Dallas or whatever other excuse you want to use. That's impressive, and that's hard to do. So give the man his goddamn props. On to Micah. Now, Micah. Micah, Micah, Micah. As Skip would say, 11 from heaven. Yes. Yes, he is. Like, he showed up. It was the best game he's had. And at least a month, he looked fresh, he looked vibrant, and he looked hungry for the first time in a while. Now, you know, what came out over the weekend, I feel like I have to mention this because it hasn't really been talked about. And we kept wondering if Micah was hurt or, you know, because his production went way down several weeks ago. And we were just trying to figure it out. The media, along with, you know, fans and or, or just casual viewers of the game was trying to figure out, hey, man, what the hell happened to 11 from heaven? What the hell happened to Micah and his performance and productivity? So we learned past week he had the birth of his baby girl. And there's your answer. You know, if any one of y'all out there who has kids or uh, or parents out there who's experienced the birth of a child, or the process um, leading up to the birth of a child, yeah, it's a different kind of 
stress that's that he's going through he, he you know he's with his baby moms and she's going through it and if she's going through it he going through it trust me you know so i'm pretty sure that played a part in his productivity if you think about it like your head's not really in the game like you should be because you know you have some important life things and and you're just not focused all the way on the game so now that his daughter was born you've seen micah reborn and if we can get this kind of productivity, this kind of ferocious energy from Micah, we can go far, man. I mean, this run was uh, helped by Micah in that defense. And if you can get Micah back to shape, back to what he was in the first half of the season and get this version of Dak, man, this team could be really special into playoffs and it could be really special uh, this Sunday against the 49ers. So let's see if Micah can keep that same energy, keep that same productivity because he, we're going to need it. Without him, we can't beat the 49ers. That's just plain as day. Now, Brett Maher, our kicker. Now, Jerry decided to keep the kicker instead of just doing the knee jerk thing that everybody expects him to do after, I mean, rightfully so. I mean, a guy missed four straight PATs. I mean, the natural reaction is to probably cut that guy at the end of that game. And if we lost that game, Maher would have been out of a job on Tuesday morning. But we did. And the one silver lining in those horrible missed attempts is that he was able, luckily able, to see one go down the middle at the end of the game when he hit his fifth. I mean, when he had an opportunity to hit his fifth. PAT and he hit it right down the middle so that's a lasting image for him to hold in his brain as he rebuilds himself because we're gonna need his kicking this Sunday as well we we can't afford to leave four points on the board to 49ers and Kyle Shanahan and, and D'Amico Ryan we just can't afford to lose those points because those points could be four points for PATs but what if they were field goals now you're talking about 12 points off the board and you're not gonna win a playoff game like that so hopefully he got it together. And if he doesn't have it together in that game, honestly, <laughs> he missed his first field goal or his first PAT. You might have to go for two for the rest of the game. It might be that dire. And, you know, hey, it is what it is if we get to that point. At the end of the day, you got to win the game, you know, and that's just a part of the game. You know, if your, kid, your kicker goes in the tank, you're going to have to compensate for that. And if the offense is firing on all cylinders, um, withholding a great disaster because of our field goal kicker not being able to hit it down the middle. But um, yeah, it's an interesting matchup because it's a rematch from last year. Now, we hosted last year, and you know what happened at the end of that game, and poor clock management on the part of Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott. You know, the clock ran out on us. We lost 23-17 to because we started late. But if we could start early, Starting early, fast and early, and being aggressive, we have to put points on the board fast and quick because you want to put pressure on that seventh round pick, Brock Purdy. I think he's legit. You know, I don't, I don't know if he's a superstar or the next top ten quarterback or whatever the case may be. He doesn't have to be in that system, but I do think that the dude is legit. I mean, he's at least as good as Jimmy G. I think he's better than Jimmy G because he's a little more mobile than Jimmy G, and he has the same accuracy as Jimmy G. So. You, you, you get that, that's key. definitely, definitely um, capable of making a playoff run into the Super Bowl. Most definitely. But he's still a rookie. 
And that's the only thing I'm going to hang on to is the fact that Brock Purdy is still a rookie and he hasn't played a defense like ours in the six starts that he's had this season. That's just facts. He played Seattle twice. He played the Rams. He played the Raiders. He played, uh, uh, I can't, it escapes me off the top of my head, uh, Cardinals, I believe. Yeah. They're not great teams defensively. Let's just say that. And he hasn't had a pass rush like ours. So we're going to have to get in his face often in order to have a shot at these guys. Because, again, they're, they're a complete team on both ends of the ball, offensively and defensively. So if we can just not do cowboy things, we'll have a, we'll have a definite opportunity to beat them. And Dak doesn't have to be Dak of Monday night. He doesn't have to be that. He could play a Daniel Jones kind of game, play clean, and um, not turn the ball over, you know? And, and and I'm not afraid of turnovers. Everybody keeps saying, oh, if you turn the ball over, oh, it's over. No, no, no. This is a different league. This is an offensive league now, all right? We just watched Trevor Lawrence throw four picks, four picks. And I think three of them was in the first quarter, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember, but it was awful. And he came back and won the game. I've seen that before with uh, Andrew Luck in a playoff game. So, if you have a high-powered offense capable of putting up a bunch of points, then you're always going to be in the game. Turnovers are turnovers. You know what I mean? You don't want them, but if you can score, you can definitely make up for them. So that's my thoughts about that game against the 49ers. I think we're going to win. I think we – I think. <laughs> Damn it. We're going to win. We owe them. We owed them for, for last year's loss and how they punched us in the mouth. We got to punch them in the mouth this time on their turf. So hopefully we do that and get the job done. Let's do it. Cowboy Nation.